Hello, this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast, and my name is Katie Bulmer. I am your host. Today, we are talking about you have graduated college. Congratulations. Now what? Uh, There's so much not told to you about this beautiful stage, but you know, there's so much excitement when you leave home to go to college. But what about when you enter in the real world? I feel like there is a lack of information out there for you. And well, this is called the Truth For Your 20s podcast. You're in your 20s when you make this important decision. So let's talk about it. If you are between the ages of 18 and young 30s and reaching for that best version of yourself, you are in the right place. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I am an author and speaker to over 30 colleges nationwide. With the heart behind everything I do to be who I needed when I was younger. On this podcast, I interview experts in their field and 20-somethings alike. We'll talk about finances, physical wellness, dealing with your inner mean girl, and you better believe we're going to talk about guys. Our mission here is to empower your socks off and definitely drop some truth bombs along the way. All right, let's get to it and unpack some truths for your 20s. Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. All right, you have graduated college. Congratulations. Now what? Well, I dove into this topic back on episode 19. If you want to scroll back, I called it the space between college and marriage. We talked a lot about singleness specifically in that episode, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but I just want to let you know there is a deeper dive into singleness back there on episode 19. But today we're going to talk about um, kind of a holistic approach to all the things, you know, um, financial, health, mental, relational, wellness, all the things to consider to find your best life. All right, so let's just dive on in. Okay, the best way to know where you're going is to have your destination in mind. This is something, it seems obvious, but it's not, especially, you know, when you are 22, you're still figuring out life, frontal lobe isn't totally developed, right? There is a book I highly, highly recommend called The Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. And essentially, he talks about we are all on a path and our paths lead somewhere. This is so simple. And I talk about this all the time when it comes to dating. I say, you know, I live in Chattanooga. If I want to go to Florida, I need to drive South. Not a complicated, not a complicated conversation. We can all agree with that. But when it comes to life or getting where we want to go in life, it's more complicated. So for example, let's say one of your goals is to be completely debt-free by the time you're 30. That's awesome. That's a great goal. But if you are continually racking up purchases on the credit card and not making any payments toward the debt that you already have, that is a path and that path leads somewhere. You know, I hear a lot of times actually people tell me, oh, I want to run a marathon. Great, but you are not on the path to run a marathon until you put on your running shoes and start practicing and start running. We are all on a path and our paths lead somewhere. Okay, so with that in mind, I would love for you to picture who you want to be 
when you were 27. Most of you graduating college are around the age of 22. So we'll say in five years at 27, who do you want to be? What do you want to define your life? And hear me clearly, there are no right or wrong answers here. I'm not saying the goal is to be married. I'm not saying the goal is to have a killer career. I'm not saying you get to define. You get to define what matters, uh, what's important to you, what defines your best life as a 27-year-old. Now, I already hear the pushback. (laughs) Yes, there are going to be roadblocks. Yes, there are going to be detours. Yes, there are going to be unexpected things. And again, I want you to make this goal, make this plan, envision your best 27-year-old self with an open hand and like, God, this is what I have in mind, but what do you have in mind? And not to concrete these ideas in when you're like, say, for example, your goal is to be able to do 25 push-ups. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, That's awesome. But I mean, so many things could happen. What if you have an injury or, you know, uh, uh, for whatever reason, can't do 25 push-ups and you like think you're a failure? No, no, and no. (laughs) Um, I want you to envision where you're going. Have that destination in mind because it's so important to know where you're going. But again, have an open mind, make these plans with an open hand and make these plans in prayer for sure. You know, God, where do you want me going? And then let's decide where you want to go. Okay, here is the good stuff. So an unfortunate thing about life (laughs) is that there is no welcoming committee to grown-up life. And I honestly did not even fully grasp this until my husband and I moved to Chattanooga about three years ago. All right, let me explain. When you leave home from you know the home that you grew up in and you come to college, there's kind of a welcoming committee. There is the orientation. There's like, hey, welcome to sorority life. There's, hey, welcome to this club. Oh my gosh, you want to be a chemistry major? So do we. Welcome to the chemistry club. There's, there's a community, like built-in community when you go to college. And it's most times... It is the first time you've left home. So you leave home for the very first time and you have this kind of artificial world created in college. And it's all a good thing. I think it's great that they have all of these ways to make community. Oh, that's awesome. But in the real world, unfortunately, there is no, oh, great. You welcome to being an adult. Like, unfortunately, (laughs) that doesn't exist. When Brian and I moved to Chattanooga, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was it was hard to find community. It's hard to get plugged in and everyone kind of already had their established people and their established circles. And you're like, hi, I'm new here. And of course, everyone was nice and you you eventually find your people, but that takes time because they're used to their people and you kind of have to be like, oh, can I come? Or, oh, I'm going to join this even though no one asked me to join the club. No one asked me to come to the event, but you have to find community. That's like the A number one priority as a young new adult, wherever you're moving, even if you're moving back home or if you're moving to a new city, especially if you're moving to a new city, finding community is A number one priority. And again, no one talks about this, but when you graduate, no one tells you (laughs) that it's going to be hard to make friends, that it's going to be hard to find community. Because all you know up until this point in life is you moved away from your, you know, growing up home to college where the red carpet was rolled out for you. Hey, welcome to this new land. But that doesn't happen when you hit the real world. It's like, oh, cool. Welcome to this new office building. Get in line. Everyone else is doing their thing. (laughs) 
good luck out there. I mean, I'm painting a very glim picture. You know, obviously there are kind people and it depends on where you go. And I hope that you meet your people quickly, but I just want to prepare you to be intentional to find that community. I mentored a girl one time who had moved to a new town and she had been there for eight months and she was a a nurse. And so, you know, worked night shift, had weird hours and just felt extremely lonely because she hadn't found her community. And the only place she ever really got to network or, you know, meet people was at work. And of course she had a few friends that way, but she didn't really know how to meet people or how to get out there. I'm telling you right now, you have to be intentional. So all of these things are going to bleed together, these topics we're talking about, but start to think about your best 27-year-old life, how to get there, because who you hang out with is extremely vital to your future. There's a saying that says, if you want to see yourself in five years, look at the people you surround yourself with. So in this new season of, you know, wherever you are, wherever you're headed, who are you surrounding yourself with? And in this new instance, you get to choose. So who are people you want to sharpen you? Who are people that you want to define you? So not that you can't meet incredible people at the bar, but perhaps a great place to meet people is church or a community group or a local nonprofit that's doing really cool things that you're passionate about. Uh, A gym. A gym is where people are generally speaking trying to get healthy. When we first moved, our gym was like our church for a little while. We were trying to get settled in finding a church, and that was our community, and that was a great place to meet people. Church is a great place to meet people. I know in Chattanooga, there's a group called Newbies. Get it? Newbies. And, you know, COVID and whatever, I don't know if they're meeting right now, but they had once a month gatherings where people could like network and stuff. And I get it. Like if you're new in town, this is awkward. And especially my introverted friends are like, what? You want me to show up at this thing when I don't know anyone? Yes. I'm asking you to step out of your comfort zone and get out there and meet human beings because community is our lifeblood. If you ever listen to Brene Brown, she has extremely popular TED Talks, but essentially she says that we are made, we are, our DNA screams that we need community. And you can see this right now in the midst of all this quarantine business, that people are lonely and it is having so many negative mental effects. We need other humans around us to sharpen us and call us to be the best version of ourselves. And you get to do that for friends as well. So in this new season of life, decide who you want around you. Um, I also suggest Eventbrite. There are Facebook groups for the area that you live in. There are lots of virtual events right now, which I know is, well, it has its pros and cons, right? You can do more virtual events, even without your city, to network in perhaps a career choice that you're interested in or a topic that you're interested in. Finding your passion and networking with people who share that same passion is super, super important. Okay, let's talk about the vocation or job portion of this becoming the best version of yourself. So a lot of you know what you want to do. You got your degree. You know exactly what you want to do. And perhaps you already have a job. Two things to this conversation. Number one, we're going to talk about the girl who feels like I have a job, but it's not my ideal job. And number two, the girl who still isn't sure what she wants to do in life. Neither of these are wrong. All right. So first girl. You have a job, it is what your major was, it's what you studied to do, but you're frustrated, it is not exactly what you thought it would be, or it's kind of a low, 
woman on the totem pole kind of situation. And you're frustrated that, you know, you went to school for four or however many years and here you are (laughs) with you. Eventually you will hopefully head to the job you want, but right now you're kind of like, great, that's okay. My first job was in advertising. I was making TV commercials, which sounds cool, but it was for like this local low budget cable station where we had like inundated equipment and whatever. But I've shared this on this podcast before that experience. I worked there for seven years. I learned how to do voiceovers for commercials. Uh, Duh. That's basically what I'm doing now on this podcast. I learned all about Photoshop which I use all the time now for graphics and for building my website. I learned networking. I had to, every month I went to the chamber, chamber business after hours where I got to network with all these people. I learned so many skills in that job and it was a good job. I mean, and it grew and I was able to, you know, make money and all that kind of stuff. But that first like year, I would say, I was like, what have I done with my life? And that's normal. So I just want you to hear that you're going to be gaining skills, even if you, this is maybe not where you want to be, but you're going to be gaining skills to perhaps where you will be. Remember, imagine that later version of yourself. Not that five years is the end all be all because we're always growing, but imagine that later version of yourself. If you are gaining skills and think deep because a lot of times it's not always on the surface. Think deep. Are there skills that you're learning? Are there people that you are around? Are there networking events and connections that you can make through this job that will eventually lead on that path to where you want to go? All right, second girl, you got your degree. Awesome. But you're like, this degree was just the quickest path to graduation. I still have no idea what I want to do with my life. First of all, no shame in that game. I think it's such an irony of life. that we expect our 22-year-olds to know what they want to do for the rest of their life. This is why we call this the Truth For Your 20s podcast, because there's so many ironies that in your 20s, you're often expected to know what you want to do, oftentimes choose a mate for the rest of your life, choose a city that you'll probably live in, you know, all these huge life decisions, often with so little guidance and little life experience, and you just haven't had the opportunity to see all of these things. You're just so young. That's why I'm so passionate about helping you guys. Okay. So back to my friend who just graduated and has no idea what they want to do in their life. I highly encourage you to see if you can shadow or learn from people that you look up to in your field. For example, I've had several young girls reach out to me recently who want to do something similar to what I'm doing. They want to help college women or sorority women or have a podcast or be an entrepreneur or whatever it is. I am elated to get those messages. I love to help my younger friends figure out what I learned along the way. I don't know any grown up that wouldn't love to do that. When I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a dermatologist. God bless me. And or at least go into the medical field in some form or fashion. And I got to shadow someone who did like joint replacement. It was weird. It was like they did sales to the doctors. And so they were in the surgery room to help the doctors like make sure they were using the right port parts to do the knee replacement and elbows and whatever. So he's like, yeah, you can come in a surgery with me and like sit in the back and just kind of see what happens. Uh, barf, (laughs) Uh, blood and guts and 
I realized in that moment, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I am not cut out for the medical field. Gross. But thankful for that opportunity because had I continued on that path, gotten a career and a degree in some type of, I don't know, pre-med or whatever, and not have that experience, wow, what a waste. So, and some people love blood and guts and thank God makes the world go round. That's not me. But all that being said, I encourage you to reach out to someone you know in your field that you want to go in and ask them if you can study. Ask them if you can hang out with them. Um, I don't know if she listens to this, but shout out to Amber Banks. She is a student at West Georgia and has interned with me for a few years now. And she wants to be a pilot when she grows up, which I think is so cool. And my stepdad happens to be a pilot. And so she got to drive up and learn how to do, we had like a hands-on how to do flying thing for an afternoon. And we were thrilled to do that and help her learn how to fly. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to help the younger generation learn like what they want to do in life. So just ask someone. And if they say no, or they can't, ask somebody else. Like who cares if they say no? Like who cares? Ask somebody else. So learning from someone ahead of you when it comes to your vocation. And also recently, if you scroll back, we did a podcast episode with the intern queen. Yes, my sister, that is what she's called the intern queen. And she had a lot of good suggestions for finding internships. So that's also perhaps a good time to kind of figure out, even though if you've already graduated, it's still great to find some internships to kind of fill that gap and decide where you want to go. Okay, let's transition now into talking about health slash wellness. So funny slash extreme story. Uh, Brian was flipping through the channels the other day and it had the My 600 Pound Life. Y'all heard of this. And our girls were walking by and they were like, what? 600 pounds? How does that even happen? Like, do people plan on being 600 pounds? It just kind of came out of my mouth. I was like, the problem is they don't plan not to be 600 pounds. So I don't think anyone listening is going to eventually be 600 pounds, but it's not the planning to be unhealthy. It's often the lack of planning to be healthy. So I'm referencing a lot of old episodes here, but I also did one kind of on my own personal fitness journey. We called it from diet pills to to strong mind and body. So when I was in high school, I... I just starved myself basically and kind of thought that Diet Coke and reduced fat cheese was healthy and ate garbage, you know, worked out occasionally, but not really consistently and had a very warped and unhealthy view of wellness and nutrition. And I think a lot of us do, you know, this diet culture and body shaming, and there's so much tied into body image. I will never, ever tell you that the number on the scale or the calorie count in your meal is what matters. What matters is how you feel. It's not how you look, it's how you feel. You would have looked at my high school and college self and said, oh, she looks, quote, healthy because I was thin. Thin is not always healthy. Like for sure, I know because I was thin and extremely unhealthy. I was taking diet pills. I was starving myself. I was eating garbage. I wasn't working out. And I felt like crap, obviously. And I have such a passion now for just helping people understand that their body is a machine. It is such an incredible tool that heals diseases, that can do amazing things when we give it the right tools, when we take care of it, when we give it proper nutrition, 
we drink water and we move our bodies, like it is amazing how much better we can feel. And I'm really, really passionate about this because how are you going to show up with energy for your best life if you feel like crap? It is so important to take care of your one precious and beautiful body. Now, there's tons to unpack here. But something that changed my life was hearing about what's called living food. So fueling your body with something that used to be a plant or an animal, a living thing. And when we get further and further away from this plant or an animal, we're not fueling our body with what it needs. So like a a Ritz cracker, I, I guess it used to be a plant, you know, like it just gets further and further away in this processed, packaged, made in a lab, labeled as food item that we're so far away from a living food that it's not fueling our body. But when we are eating plants and animals, living food, just as simple as that, then we are giving our body proper nutrition and proper fuel to live its best. Another thing that I get fired up about is the Bible says Christians are supposed to be set apart. Yet if we are just as overweight, unhealthy, groggy, tired, as the rest of the world, like, then yuck. You know, the goal is for them to be like, I see something different in you. I see something that I want in you. And there's so much there, but fueling this gift of a body, thanking God for the way he makes our organs and our liver and our cells and all of the crazy things that work together to let us live this one beautiful life and fueling our body to let it live and function at its best. I mean, I feel like that's just the very basics of how to do this thing called life well. Oh, I get fired up about that one. Okay, mental health, how to be your best self when you are 27. Girlfriend, there is no shame in going to a counselor. I think that we all, at least at some point in our lives, need a little time on a counselor's couch. I myself have had two periods in my life where I've gone to counseling and worked through anxiety that I have struggled with and also just some past family issues. Like we all have something like that. And it's so much better to deal with it instead of just brushing it under a rug. You know, if you just put it in a corner somewhere and forget about it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. You have to deal with it. And if you are single, that is one of the best gifts you can give your future marriage. Bringing less baggage into the relationship. I have said this quote a million times, but there are no such thing as marriage problems. There are single people problems in a marriage. Sorting through daddy issues, sorting through past hurts. You know, if you've had a terrible breakup, that is trauma. I, I feel that it is. You know, having someone you loved that is out of your life is a death. And if you haven't had time to sort through that and deal with those emotions, girl, now's the time. Getting fit mentally, so to speak, is one of the best gifts you can give your future self. Okay, financial. Now, Each of these have their own genre in the bookstores and podcast and blogosphere. I could talk for three days about each of these, but I'm trying to just give you the highlights of how to be your best graduated from college self. So I know I'm leaving stuff out. Please don't come after me because I know that I am. There's so much and I'm not able to cover it all, but I would love for you to check out the show notes on this episode specifically because I'm going to link a lot of good resources and the, all the podcast episodes that I have referenced in this 
episode as well. Okay, just so you know, my husband is kind of an expert in this arena. He was trained under the Dave Ramsey organization and has worked for a college helping students learn about financial literacy, basically. And he knows all the things, so I'm going to interview him in an upcoming episode, the first of the year, all about that. So stay tuned. But for today, I just challenge you to think about how you see money. We have so many emotions tied into this gift, this resource of money, but really money is an inanimate object. It is in the hand of the user that makes all the difference. So just thinking about how tightly your heart is tied to this idea of money because money comes and goes. And as we've talked about this whole episode, to hold it with an open hand in your young days of getting your first paychecks with your big girl job, I challenge you to go ahead and start tithing. John D. Rockefeller is quoted for saying, I never would have tithed the first million that I made if I hadn't first tithed my first paycheck, which was $1.50 a week. So you might think, well, I, I can't tithe because I'm not making that much money. Well, it actually becomes harder when you make more, more money because those percentages become higher. So I challenge you to get in that habit of starting to tithe. Now, again, there's a ton wrapped up in there, but tithing isn't necessarily for the person you're giving it to as much as it is for you, because it is our heart and our wallet are often very tied. And that's why this subject of money can become emotional and there's so much tied to it. But when we kind of cut those strings between this um, chain a lot of times that can become money, then we can open our hands and freely give and to give generously. And again, if the outside world is looking at Christians and we are just as tight and stingy as the rest of the world, then what beauty is there that we are showing? But when we are generous and we give and we are not tied to this inanimate object of money, but we view it as a gift and a resource to feed us and clothe us and keep us safe from, you know, storms, then the rest is just fun. And of course, it's important to have fun. And yes, you should, you know, budget for all of that stuff. But if you live within your means, and that's a whole nother subject, but you know, it is not vital to your health to have a designer handbag. It is not vital to your health to have $120 Lululemon leggings. I know I just offended somebody, but my whole life. And part of this is because I grew up with a single mom on a teacher's salary, but we have always shopped like the clearance or the yard sales. And I mean, I don't know if you follow me on social media, but most people say I dress cute or whatever. And I've never once even thought about buying like designer jeans and stuff like that. Listen, I'm not saying you're a bad person if you have, but if you were on a tight budget, these, there's just, oh, there's so much to unpack here. (laughs) Picture your best life when you are 27. Is it to be debt-free? Is it to give generously? Is it to not be chained to this idea of money? Is it to not fight with your future spouse over this idea of money? If the answer to those questions is yes, then you need to start breaking that that tie that money has to us by tithing and to consider your purchases. Because I guarantee you, if I were to go interview 10, 27-year-olds right now, and they talked about the biggest purchases they made when they were 23, the designer handbags are probably forgotten and giant purchases like brand new cars that they couldn't afford 
probably became regrets. A lot of times things that we think that we have to have become regrets. So think about what you quote have to have and think about would your 27 year old self appreciate or regret this purchase. Hey, do you have a dating plan? Think about it this way. An architect makes a blueprint before they ever break ground. A business man or woman has a budget before they head into the next fiscal year, yet beautiful women are walking into potentially one of the biggest decisions of their life, a dating relationship with no plan. That is crazy, and it is time to make a plan. My first ever mini digital course just launched, How to Make a Dating Plan. I made this as simple and to the point as I can. Most girls tell me it was the best spent hour of their life to take some time to make some intentional decisions to decide what matters to them in a dating relationship. You can find all the details at my Instagram, Katie Bulmer Life, or my website, katiebulmer.life. I like to make it easy for you guys. Use promo code TRUTH and save yourself 10%. But whatever you do, go make yourself a dating plan. Okay, last topic slash best topic. Let's talk about relationships. Okay, obviously a lot to unpack here too. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast. So check out some other episodes. But when it comes to your best life, (laughs) if getting married is in your future, you are creating a very healthy or unhealthy marriage based on the way you are dating. Whether you have a boyfriend right now or whether you are single, you are ultimately creating stories you want to tell. People love and hate this idea, but what story do you want to tell your future children about the way you dated or the way you met your husband? the way you met their father, like sit on that for a minute, right? It's a big deal. And you are creating the stories you want to tell by the way you date. Also, you, my young single friends are choosing the next generation of fathers. No big deal. (laughs) I have to say this slowly because I'm like, I can just hear the people on the other end like, whoa, these are things that I never knew. No one ever told me either. But someone from the other side of the fence who is living a little more life than you, I wish I would go back and tell my younger self who would have said yes if one of the dirtbags I dated when I was younger asked me to marry them and thank the Lord above they did not because, oh, right? I'm just so thankful looking back that none of them, oh gosh, it just it makes me nauseous to think about. I had no idea that I was choosing the next generation of fathers. I had no idea I was setting myself up for a healthy or unhealthy marriage based on the way I dated. I had no idea that meeting my husband at church would be the story that I wanted to tell our kids versus some of the other guys I met in much less ideal circumstances. Yes, of course, you can meet great guys at other places than church, But as we have said this whole episode, you are on a path and your path leads somewhere. So let's think about what are you looking for? I highly recommend that you are looking for a guy who shares the same faith as you do. 
I realize our culture is going to tell you that's not a big deal. You can have a great marriage no matter what your faith is. And Katie, I'm not worried about that. Even right now, I'm just, quote, having fun. The problem with that is, is fun leads to stuff. I know lots of people my age that were just, quote, having fun with a guy who didn't share the same faith, didn't even share the same moral, like not the kind of guy they wanted to marry. They were just having fun. And now here they are 15 years and three kids later and trying to raise their children in church, which is something that they value. And they have, and you know, the wife has to explain, well, daddy doesn't come with us to church because of this. Um, And they have to, you know, and then even if their kids are older and starting to date and they want their children to be in a faith-centered relationship, and they have to explain, well, I know that I'm not in one, but do you see how complicated this can become? And that's just small examples, but I think ultimately, I know there's a very long-term thinking here, and that's what I'm trying to get you to think about, but perhaps the biggest reason that it is important to have a shared faith relationship is this idea of unconditional love. And every girl I've ever mentored wants to be loved unconditionally. We all want this. Like this is just in us. We want to be loved even when we are a pain in the butt, even when we are sometimes unlovable. And listen, I've been married 16 years. I can tell you that one of you, at least once or twice in your life are going to be unlovable. You're going to be a pain in the rear. And that is when you have the opportunity to love them like Jesus loved us. He went to the cross for a sinful, rebellious race. We said, no, God, thank you for your rules, but we know better. We don't want to listen to you. We reject you in your face. And he went to the cross and died for us anyway. That is the model that God gave us, and marriage is the relationship on earth to model that relationship for each other. Marriage is designed for I am supposed to be the closest representation to love Brian like Jesus loves him and him to do that for me. I know that there can be relationships that are not based on faith and they are loving, but there's also going to be so much harder to love each other through those hard times. Because when one of us is unlovable, we don't love them back because they deserve it. We love them back because that is the model Jesus gave us at the cross. And a Christian relationship, when they understand this well, that is the opportunity to love each other unconditionally Not because the other person always deserves it, but because Jesus gave us that example. The mini course of the dating plan that I just released talks about this a lot more. But, you know, we often talk about non-negotiables of being responsible and being loyal and kind and all that's great and all that's important. But I really feel like the only non-negotiable to my friends listening to this podcast for my children one day is to have a faith-centered relationship because ultimately that is that's the foundation that's the foundation of the home that's the foundation of you know future mommies and daddies you know all the statistics show us that children do better when they have a mom and dad both present in the household 
I just read the other day that actually people perform better at work when they are in a healthy marriage. So there's even an economic impact to making a good decision and entering into a healthy marriage. You know, again, no one walks into a marriage thinking that they're making a bad decision, but life comes. (laughs) Life is going to come at you. And having that shared faith background I just feel like it is vitally important to lean on in tough times, to look to that model of unconditional love when one of you is being a pain in the rear. Um, It's never me though. Don't worry. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Brian has lots more opportunities to give me unconditional love. You're welcome, honey. JK, JK. But when it comes to relationships, I feel like that is the one non-negotiable. And so to find a guy like that, guess what? You need to be a girl like that. Become who you're looking for is looking for. So if a faith-based relationship matters, and I hope that it does, and I hope I just made a important case of why it should matter, then how is your own faith? You know, how are you growing? And taking that hard look in the mirror and deciding that you want to grow, that you want to be stronger in this area, then you are going to attract the kind of guy that that matters to as well. Now, All of the stuff that we talked about is going to make you an incredible catch. Just saying, a girl that is working on becoming debt-free, that is becoming her best physical health, that is getting well mentally, getting out of financial debt and becoming, you know, well-educated in this area of finances. Guess what? You're already an incredible, incredible catch. And then it just comes to meeting the right guy. And I think that you have to put yourself out there. You have to kind of go to the right places. You have to network and go on dates. There is nothing wrong about going on dates, meeting people. And then if you're a great catch, then you just have to narrow down all of the incredible options that you have, because obviously you're going to have thousands and just because they love you. And obviously they will, it doesn't mean you have to marry them. So At this point in our hanging out relationship, I hope that you have taken my free quiz, how to make a dating plan. That is just like a free resource I have, which is some surface level non-negotiables, and it will lead you to my mini course. Um, It's only $29, but it kind of unpacks this idea much deeper and much more thoroughly of making some non-negotiables. And I, uh, of course, I recommend that you check that out. It's a lot of really good information, but whatever the case, defining your non-negotiables, deciding what matters, becoming that best version of yourself and attracting incredible guys that are looking for incredible girls. I mean, like a recipe for an incredible marriage. That's all I'm saying. All right. Last thing. If it seems like, quote, everyone around you is getting married, do not fall into that trap of everyone is so I'm behind or I must get married too. I am not against getting married young, but what I see far too often is people that are pressured really unnecessarily. It's just in their own brains that, quote, everyone around them is getting married. So they feel like they kind of have to rush into this and they marry (laughs) A guy that is not what they were looking for, a guy that was not the standards. It doesn't meet their non-negotiables and definitely not in a faith-centered marriage. You guys, marriage is a big stinking deal and there is not a race. There are no trophies for first place. If it feels like, quote, everyone around you is getting married, follow some different people on social media. (laughs) 
And remember, those engagement pictures go to the top of your feed because they're exciting and people are celebrating them. And that's good. That's awesome. You want that to happen when it's your time as well. So you're seeing them more, but it's not really everyone. It's just a few of your close friends and perhaps some people that you kind of know from high school. And I just shared this on my Insta story, but when it comes to all of the things that we're talking about, financial, job, mental, all that stuff, Remember, you are a slow-growing tree. (laughs) Yes, I said a slow-growing tree. Here is what I mean by that. So I'm into plants, and I just know a lot of like names of plants and how they grow and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you go to a local nursery to buy a plant for your house, you're going to see a lot of fast-growing trees. A lot of people, when they buy a house, they want a fast-growing tree because obviously they want shade. They want the results quick. Everyone wants results quick, and that's especially true in our Amazon Prime microwave culture. But the thing with life is often the fast-growing results are not what is best. You know, you see the commercials of, you don't have to work out, you don't have to eat healthy, just take this pill no, that, that's not going to be the long-term healthy results. So back to my trees. The fast-growing trees often do not have very well-established roots, and their wood is a lot thinner and more brittle than the longer, slow-growing trees. So guess what? When a storm rolls through, the first trees to break fall over and create a mess, honestly, they can create destruction for homes and on power lines, are those fast-growing trees. The fast-growing trees are not established and not strong enough to withstand the storm. If you think I'm about to compare you to trees, you are absolutely right. There's not a race in life. When it comes to all of these subjects, it does not matter if you get to the top of the trees before anyone else. I imagine if trees had thoughts, then the slow growing oak trees, for example, and by the way, if you live in the Southeast, if you see those gigantic, like you can't even wrap your arms around them trees and near the coast, they have the Spanish moss hanging from them. They're just gorgeous. They live for like 200 years or so. These take a long, long time to grow. And they're also the ones to withstand the storm. But If our little baby oak trees saw the pines and the river birches, these are fast growing trees, by the way, passing them, they're probably like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing something right. I'm not enough. They have it figured out faster. They have it figured out better than me. (laughs) Those are the first to fall when the storm comes. And our slow growing oaks are the ones who are still standing when the ice and the rain and the hurricanes roll through. So my friends, my point with this little tree example is there is no race. Do not look to your right or your left at the people that are, quote, growing faster than you because one day storms are going to roll in. And if you are making these decisions based on your best self, based on becoming well, it's not a fast results. You know, becoming debt-free is not something that happens overnight. Becoming healthy mentally and physically and finding a good and loving relationship does not happen by a, you know, get rich quick or get fit quick or whatever pill that is just garbage sold to us by marketing industry. So my sister, grow on your own time. 
take time to establish long, healthy, and strong roots. And I promise you, you are going to find your best 27-year-old self. And I cannot wait to see you on social media, changing the world. If you liked today's episode, would you consider sharing on social media? Just take a screenshot, whatever platform you're listening to, and tell your friends that you just got some truth for your 20s. I love so much to see you guys share this, and I always reshare it. It helps other people find it. Oh, and actually, the ultimate in helping other people finding it is leaving a review in iTunes. You are what is helping this podcast grow, and you sharing it just, well, it's a chai tea latte to my soul. Thanks for being here, and I can't wait to see you next week for some more Truth for Your 20s.